Read in the bed. Read in the bed. Read in the bed. Read in the bed. Reading in bed. Reading in bed. What's the podcast today, Amanda? Reading in bed. Not a special Christmas. I'm not going to give it away then. What is a special reading in bed, Amanda? Isn't it? What is a special reading in bed? It's the Christmas special, which we always do every year. Yeah, and we're both. Obviously, this is an audio podcast. Isn't it, Amanda? We're out. We've both got what? We, what are you wearing first? I'm wearing my snowman jumper. I've got. A, I've got. I've got. Uh, what? Well, I can't read my t-shirt. Is there in this one actually? Um, very helpful. Yeah, mine's how to build the father Christmas t-shirt. So, of course, what is reading a bed, Amanda? It's a book review podcast. Yes, and I am Andy N. And I'm Amanda Nicholson. Yeah, and formerly I was called Amanda Steele. Now, with reading in bed, obviously, usually we review somewhere in the vicinity of at least three or four books every month. Now, with it in the Christmas edition, Amanda, what's a bit different this time? We've just reviewed one book and then we're going to talk garbage for the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's not quite garbage. But <laughs> people, people are tuned to reading in bed, obviously, will know that on the December episode every year, we obviously do have an awards. So, if you're wondering now, we're going to do, do the regular news in a moment. Amanda will do a quick book review. I'll do a quick book review. We've got a number of awards we're going to give out, and we're going to read out something Christmassy to finish off with, aren't we? Yeah. It should make it a good, nice, jolly episode. Now, obviously, as always, what have we been up to in the past month, Amanda? We've just released a uh, winter book. Yeah, you nearly said Christmas book as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Christmas has gone to my brain. Yeah, well, I said it's that time of year, isn't it? So, yeah, what's the book called, Amanda? It's called The Snow Was All We Could See. And what's the book about? It's about poems and short fiction and all centred around Christmas or winter themes. Yeah, it touches on both grounds, really. So it's, it's I'm very pleased with the book to burst in, and I know Amanda is as well. Now, people may have noticed, obviously, uh, about the title of it. There is a bit of a gag in this title, Amanda, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, because a couple of years ago, I bought out a very short poetry book, and I've got shorter since then, called the... What was it now? The, the street lights were all we could see, and I forgot the name for a second. Then. Or the, was it the lights were all we could see? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mind's, my mind's completely gone today. Anyway, either way, you can, you can find it if you look for me. So Now, what did we do last, bring out last year, Amanda? We brought down the joint book about lockdown and we called it The Lockdown Was All We Could See. Yeah, now, that was that was a joke, at, obviously, at the previous book. And now we've bought The Snow Was All We Could See. And it's all the covers are very similar. It gives it like a similar feel, doesn't it, Amanda? So, yeah. Like a series of books. So, no, check it out. We're, we're both really pleased with it. So, uh, I've got a bit of music coming out on the Ocean of Buckle and, and an experimental on distance as well on a number of compilations in December book. You'll see them if you look on the pages. Have you got any more news, Amanda, from your side? No, that's all my news. Yeah, keep around Amanda's obviously website because at the moment on her work side of things, she's starting to get a lot of um, articles coming in at the moment, aren't you? In your copywriting side, Amanda. Yeah, so I'm posting all the links on my copywriting page, which is on my blog, Amanda Still Writer. 
So if you search for that on WordPress, you'll find it. Yeah. And also, it's worth, my man is always looking for more work on that as well, paid work preferably as well. So it's keep an eye on it, definitely. So good stuff there. Right, okay. On to reading in bed. Ladies first. What is the book? It's called Away with the Penguins by Hazel Pryor. Okay, then. Would you like to first of all tell us, Amanda, then, the blurb of this book, please? Okay. Veronica McCready lives in a mansion by the sea. She loves a nice cup of Darjeeling tea while watching a good wildlife documentary, and she's never seen without a ruby red lipstick. Although these days, Veronica is rarely seen by anyone because at 85, her days are spent mostly at home alone. She can be found either collecting litter from the beach, people who litter the countryside should be sure, trying to locate her glasses, someone must have moved them, or shouting instructions to her assistant, Eileen. Eileen, door. Veronica doesn't have family or friends nearby, not that she knows about anyway, and she has no idea where she's going to leave her considerable wealth when she dies. But today, Veronica is going to make a decision that will change all of this. Right, okay then, Amanda. Well, obviously, before we come on to then, what the strengths and weaknesses, I'm curious then, what drew you to this book before we start? It's not my usual choice of book. If you've listened to any previous episodes, you'll know that. The difference, Amanda, with you is, what is your usual (laughs) choice of book? (laughs) It's usually where everybody dies. Okay, so seriously, what made you want to read this book? I was looking for a Christmas book and I did notice this one about a year ago when it was just coming out. And it's, I know my sister loves penguins, so I thought oh, I'll read this one as a little tribute to her, even though she doesn't listen anyway. And there's a nice little picture on the front of it as well with snow and penguins, so it just feels very Christmassy or wintry at least. Yeah, Christmas. So is it a very cute sort of book, is it then? Or not? Um, it's not. Cute. It's it's quite a nice story. The characters are quite well developed. Right. Well, okay. So we, we better move on to the strengths and that, don't we? Then. So yeah. tell us, tell us who, the, what the main characters like in this book. Then before we start. So you've got Veronica McCready, who's eighty-five, and she's not like your typical like soft-hearted grandmother type or big scones for you. She's quite sort of difficult to get on with, but she's not like outright nasty. She's just very set in the ways, and as the book goes on, you kind of find out from her past why she's that way. And she meets up with her um, nephew, I think it is, who she didn't know about. Was it a grandson? No, grandson, sorry, who she didn't know about. And it doesn't work out at first because he's high on drugs when she meets him, and he just thinks that she's stuck up, and she starts to think maybe he only wants to know her because of uh, her money. So she decides to give it all away to a penguin sanctuary. Hmm. Yeah, so certainly there's a journey. You can see in this one, anyone reads novels. There's certainly a journey in this one, isn't there? And so obviously then, like, as soon as she gives it away to the penguins, like I said, everything changes for it then, doesn't it? And basically, so, yeah, okay, completely. So, okay, tell us, what was the did you, what was the pacing like this book? Was it quite an easy book for you to read, Amanda? Yeah, yeah, it was quite easy. It, on the surface, you just like think, oh, sure, she's very stuck in her ways and a bit stuck up and wealthy and she doesn't really understand anything. And then you think, oh, well, he's just a drugger. But then when you delve into it, you just kind of see like the stories behind both of them. And I think they get to know each other from an understanding, but I'm not going to say what happens. 
No, of course, of course, for that one. So, okay, is there anything else you need to talk about with the book? No, no, nothing really. I think we've mentioned everything. Yeah, so it sounds like you have that one. So, yeah, so let's say that it's like, was it quite a quick book for you to read this one? I can't remember how long it took me to read. I think it might have been about a week or two. Oh, good. Oh, good. So that sounds good to me. Why still still? Okay. Is there anything on the weaknesses side you want to talk about? Not weaknesses so much. I just don't think as a book, it, it wasn't like an amazing or groundbreaking book, but there was nothing in particular where I thought, oh, I hate that. It's just I think there's a lot of similar types of books, but it, it, it took you from one point to another point. Yeah, so it did the job it should have done them basically, didn't it? So. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Then. So, like, how was it a Kindle you got this as a book? Was it, or was it? What did you read? What did you get older? Yeah, book? I got the Kindle. Was it quite? Did it? Did it tell you how long a book it was? Oh, I can't remember. I just kept reading it until it was over. <laughs> Typical, use typical woman. So, no. So anyway, so is there anything else you need to mention on the book, Amanda? No, nothing really. Uh, one question I want to ask you about is about this uh, nephew of hers. Yeah. Did he have a quite a, a journey on the book as well? Did he, or did he not really? Was he a background? Yeah, in some ways, in some ways, they found out they had quite a bit in common because the way he'd been brought up was a bit similar to how she'd. How she'd been brought up, so they kind of had like a bit of an understanding, and they didn't realise that they actually had stuff in common. Yeah, it's like I'm right, said it's a bit like an odd couple sort of thing, really, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Sounds like a good enough book to me. So well, the, the interesting thing is, there's actually another book out which I haven't made a note of the title, and I think it's not like a direct sequel, but it's got the same woman in it, and she goes on to have other adventures and stuff. So. She goes on to go just give more money out to polar bears next time, does she? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not reading that. I did I did like the book. It was a nice Christmas book to read, but sometimes you just feel like you don't really need to read anymore, like you just enjoyed it and you leave it at that. Yeah, no, I get it completely. So I'll fair play. Okay. Markins then. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. So it is a recommendation if you're looking for something to read over Christmas. Yeah, as we always say, Amanda, don't we? Anything over seven out of ten is a recommendation, really, for us. It's only obviously it's only just a recommendation, but it's still a recommendation. So, what made you not want to mark it any higher? Well, it's not my typical kind of book, so it's not the book that I would think, oh wow, that matches everything I look for in a book. But I know there are a lot of people out there who might read it and think, oh yeah, that's a ten out of ten. Yeah, no, we're still, we're still recommending it. That's fair enough, so fair play. Okay, Amanda, that's the end of it, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to hint off me? My book, yeah. my book. Mine's about Christmas cards. Well, I know what yours is, but I'm not going to say anything. Oh, good. So please don't, okay? <laughs> I'll tell you off otherwise. <laughs> Father Christmas won't be coming to your house this year, will it? <laughs> oh, he doesn't come here anymore anyway. Not, not since I, I did that weird thing with the camera. <laughs> We'll just move on there, okay? So say a bye, Amanda. <laughs> bye, Amanda. Read in a bed. Read in a bed. Welcome back to Reading in Bed with me, Amanda Nicholson, and... And Deanne. Episode 47, the Christmas special. Ho, ho, ho. Now, to, ce- <laughs> oh, like that. to celebrate Christmas, we've actually, we're, we're actually, we've just been over to Pamela before, Amanda, haven't we? And... 
Yeah. We're going back. Well, I've not had this before, actually. Pepsi Max Lime. Yeah, because nothing says Christmas quite like limes, does it? I feel like I lime sometimes, so I've opened it up. And if you hear this old one of us choking in a minute, you know why. One of us has killed the other live no. <laughs> podcast. Anyway, right, book wise, okay. Obviously, my book for this month. What do you want to start with, Mum? The title and who it's by. Okay, the book is called "The Affair of the Christmas Card Killer" by Jack Murray. And it's the first book in the I'm not, Kit Aston series. Okay. Who, who did you say that was by? And uh, Jack Murray. And then they said, let's Andy Murray then. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new career for me. I know. working out, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry to the people in question. That's me, just misbehaving. <laughs> it's by, to confirm, Jack Murray, The Affair of the Christmas Card Killer. Okay, do you want to read the blurb? Yes, okay, so it's quite a short blurb as well. It's Christmas, 1919, and murder has taken place at Cavendish Hall, or has it? Lord Kit Ashton investigates. As the snow falls, tension rises, as the isolated party guests realise they may be a killer in their midst. Past and present collide with Kit Ashton as he attempts to uncover the truth about the murder, his experiences in the Great War, and win the heart of the girl he loves. This is a classic murder mystery set in a country house, following the end of the Great War. Mm-hmm. So do you want to start with any strong points? Yeah, well, uh, do you want to know, obviously, if people are wondering, obviously, I had a look, like Amanda did, we both just looked around for a Christmas book, really, didn't we? To review yeah. for this, and I think this came out a couple of years ago. And it's um, it's obviously a murder mystery. Like I said, like I said, set in 1919, and it's unusual, really, because you like when you read murder mysteries, Amanda. Usually, you tell you tell your readers then how quickly the first person normally dies in the book. It depends, really, doesn't it? It's usually fairly quickly, though. This one was halfway into the book capture, would you believe? Yeah. And it was, it's a bit, I was a bit surprised at that. You know what I mean? You do, you get a bit surprised when they do that sort of thing, can't you? When they really take the time killing, being the murderer, basically. And I'm not going to give that away, obviously, because I know, I don't want to not, I don't want people to know who died or possibly yeah. died. But I actually liked the character that got murdered. That was, I thought, oh, oh dear. I thought, that's a bit of a shame. <laughs> I was going to ask you in general what were the characters like because when you're saying like he's a lord and he's in a country house I've just got an image of a lot of toffs at a party and probably it, wanting them all to be killed off it was heading in that direction I've got, I've got to be honest it's it's got its faults but yeah it was it was the book was heavy in atmosphere that's for sure of it and it's it felt like to me it was almost like they were trying to get cash in on Downtown Abbey in some ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's why. I to be honest with you, I didn't hate it because it it was nice when it was a it was but there was a lack of violence in the book, no sex. I don't recall any bad language either. So it just say like they just tried to set the scene. He took the right took his time to getting the main gentleman killed off. And at which point, then all the pieces are in place, a number of suspects basically. 
you know, for and it was basically the next soldier that was basically investigating it while it all snowed in before the police got to him towards the end of the book. Yeah. And when the police arrived, it it was he had, I won't say it had been solved, but I think a lot of it had been set up then, you know, to get sorted out pretty quickly after that. So Okay, so is there any more good points when you move on to bad points? Uh, like I said to you, it's, it took the, re- it, the book, it was, if you look at the fact where the book moved along from A to B to C, and it followed it followed everything, right? It did tell you on the basics of it. And there's a few things I want to talk about, which we'll come on to in a minute, but if you like a good, it's a good Christmassy sort of thriller. Okay, it's all, it's, it, it's perfect. You know what I mean? Like, it's that sort of book you said before yours. It's nice. This is nice to read on Christmas time, really. Yeah. Do you want me to go into the weaknesses? Yeah. Okay. Points, well, it's I'm not. There's nothing really that wrong with this book. Uh, there's a comment somebody else put on Goodreads, which I agree with, which probably sums it up better. Was that they didn't like the fact was. There was a way that the male characters insisted on using their first names, and even the servants then all used their first names, which apparently simply just wasn't the case back then. So it looks like it was, you know what I mean? Like it, there was a bit off putting on that because I think I, I wondered about his research mechanisms in some places. Yeah. There was also a lot of trouble with this as well, and this has cost me quite a bit of marks as well because a lot of people didn't like this. There were a lot of errors in the paragraphs or something down, you know, spelling mistakes and punctuation. And I did read another review saying the book itself is only 240-odd pages, but they counted 118 even spelling mistakes, punctuation mistakes, or missing words in paragraphs. Well. Which is a bit, it's very off-putting, really, that, isn't it, So It is, yeah. And there's so, I didn't see this in my copy of the book, but somebody's, also, a good reader said that he apparently he's, he's basically stated he spent weeks on the spelling punctuation and structure of the book after he finished it. And mm-hmm. I thought, oops, oops, I mean, that's just a fair enough point, isn't it? So he's, I don't I've not checked whether the writer's done any more books, he probably has done, but you would hope, wouldn't you, like somebody's helping him out with the second book or. Yeah, it's, it's a very difficult one because if you're self-publishing, it's really difficult to spot your own mistakes. But on the other hand, it's like you have to do everything you can to try to minimise them as much as possible. Yeah, and that's, I think he's got a problem. He's, he needs someone to have a look at that and maybe do what he does, what he does another one, that's for sure of it. So, Because clear, there's clearly a potential problem with it, but it is what it is. Now, um, other thing with this book was, I use personal books that move a bit quicker. And I think this book was only 240 pages, but it did seem to move at a very, very, very slow pace. Do you know what you mean by that? Some books are much easier to read than others, aren't they? Yeah. I found this one. I didn't hate it, like I said to you. I thought there was a lot of good things going for the book, but it seemed to me, it seemed to take, it took me a month to read this book because it was... I've had books before now where I've done a few good read ones, um, like first read ones on Amazon, when I've polished them off in two or three days, and I know you've done that with books before now, haven't you? Yeah. But like it's this isn't that sort of book. It's one that I think you're going to read a couple of chapters and put it down and come back to it another day. So if you, you want to quit read, I don't think this is the book, to be honest But anyway, I did like it, so. Okay. So do you want to give it a mark out of 10? Yeah, yeah. What do you think I'm going to give us out of 10, Amanda? 
I think it's going to be at least seven. It's actually seven. I think a lot of this spelling and punctuation and missing words from it, it's costing quite a bit of marks, to be told. But again, it's like I said, it's, I like the atmosphere in it. And I did actually like the lead detective in it, Kit, when he came into it. It was practically a cardboard cutout, but it was it was nice. It was nice, okay? And I liked, I liked all the, the atmosphere, particularly. So it wasn't as atmospheric as the Michelle Cox books on the Henry Henrietta and Inspector Howard books who were set in Chicago. Which we may be, I may be talking about later on. So, but yeah. but it's not as good as that. But it's still worth it. It's worth your time. So yeah, seven out of ten. Okay, so it's a recommendation. Yep, two recommendations. Okay, now that actually is the book review section of the podcast, Amanda, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now what we're going to do today, guys, on the rest of the podcast, it's going to be a bit more shorter sections. Now, part three coming up next is going to be our favourite book of the year. And it'll be interesting this because because I'm going to be interested to see if Amanda pulls out a book that she absolutely loves and I hate it, or a book I absolutely hate and she loves, or maybe we we'll do the same book. Yeah. So wait and see. Right. Well, we'll take a quick break, guys, and I shall see you in a minute. Say bye, Amanda. Bye. Reading and reading in bed. Welcome back to Reading in Bed, episode 47, the Christmas special. I am Andy Ann. And I'm Amanda Nicholson. Yeah, over now to our favourite books of the year. We have a number of categories, and shall I start this one off, Amanda, then? Yeah. I'd start it. Okay. You, Amanda, will actually know this next book. I'm actually actually going to nominate my favourite book of the year because you do... Um, Obviously, on the copyright side, Amanda's done an article. I don't know if this is live yet. On oh, recommended. It's not live yet. Oh, yeah. What the article? What is the article, Amanda, then? About books? It was um, 10 different books by female authors that you should read, but probably never heard of. I think the title was a bit more concise than that, but I just can't remember it exactly off the top of my head. Well, <laughs> my favourite book of the year is by Helen O'Hara, and it is Women versus Hollywood. And I think we reviewed this back in March, if memory is correct. And Helen O'Hara is a very, very good journalist who works at Empire Magazine. And I'll read out to you the blurb, because it's very, very short, this blurb, OK? Uh, a call to arms from Empire Magazine's geek queen, Helen O'Hara, that explores women's roles, both in front of and behind the camera, since the birth of Hollywood, how these roles are reflected in wider society, and what we could do to level the playing field. What would you like me to, to mention with this book, Amanda? Why you wanted to make it the favourite book of the year? I felt, I felt there was one where it was non-fiction, but it was very, very, very well-researched. And, and there's a question in it and the front of the book, and I, I have asked you this question before, Amanda, and I think you've quoted this in the article you wrote as well. Yeah, I did, because I found that really interesting. Yeah, I'll read the question out to you and I'll give the answer, because I can't ask Amanda to do it, so. But how many films did Universal Studios release with women credited as directors in 1921, it was? There was eight. And 100 years late, it was Pitch Perfect 3. This simply is, and I'm going to be honest here, it's a very, very well-written book. 
I've been thrilling with Mrs. Hara's work for Empire Magazine and the Empire Magazine podcast in particular for years and years. And it really isn't a surprise. The amount of research she's done in this book, it really shows through a thorough look of women from the success in silent films. Now the transfer to talking pictures in the 1930s and the creation of the studio system basically changed everything. So that's why I know you've read a bit of it, Amanda, and you know you said it was a really it sounded really fascinating book, didn't it as well? Yeah, yeah, film. I think there's a lot of interesting points that have raised in the little bit that I've read. Yeah, and it is it's it's a fascinating book because it's it covers a lot of ground, really does, and that's why it's I know a lot about obviously. Read, I read a lot, read up on a lot of silent films. And I listen to a podcast you called You Must Remember This, which I really do recommend. And Katrina Longworth has done a book called Seduced, which covers similarish ground in a very different way. But the amount of research has gone into this book and it's told in an accessible but detailed way. And it's a brilliant book. It has to be my book of the year because you can see it's took some work, this book. And it's well worth your read. Is there anything you want me to ask you want to ask me about this book, Amanda? No, I've got no more questions. Okay, then. So what we're going to do then is well that's Amanda now then. Would you like to tell us your book now? Yes, so my favourite book of the year is called Stranger Times by C.K. MacDonald. When did we do this one reading about them people who want to check I our archive out? I think it was pretty early this year. It was probably one of the first books of the year, maybe no, January or February. Fair enough. And I don't have you got a blurb for this book, or do you want to just tell me why you like the book? I don't have a blurb, but the one of the things that I like is well, it's quite a few things I like actually. Firstly, it's set in Manchester at a fictional newspaper called The Stranger Times. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> I it's that. also fictional Manchester as well, so they're describing places and it's like that's not in Manchester, you've just made it up. Well, I suppose it doesn't matter because it's all fictional, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, excellent, excellent. <laughs> and, and the other one is it's, it's quite a mash of genres because it's crime, paranormal, humour, and I'm sure there's some others thrown in there as well, and it's just a bit of everything. It's a mishmash. Oh, so it's, um, those are, there is a term for that, isn't there? When you're mis- mismashing genres together. I think and... it's mashups, don't Yeah, I think it's called mashups, isn't it? So, yeah. no, excellent. I don't want to remember that you're reviewing that book, but again... We, tell, we do this every month, so I can't always remember everything. So Yeah, it's actually a first in the series, and the second one's coming out next January, so I'm going to get my hands on it then. Well, so good to watch your space, guys. Amanda may be reviewing this February or March next year. So, excellent. Okay, so that's the end of the best of Reading in Bed for this year. What comes next, Amanda? The worst book. Yeah, watch your space. We should be back in a minute. Say bye, Amanda. Bye. Welcome back to Reading in Bed with me, Amanda Nicholson, and... Andy Ann. What episode is it, Amanda? It's 47, if I believe what you say, but who oh, knows? It could what be 67. <laughs> who knows? Watch this space, as I would say, some of that. So, anyway, guys, okay, now, obviously, yeah, we've been the positive books on the previous one. Now we're going to tear the books apart. Well, this is going to be fun because I've got, I'm going to see if I remember, Amanda remembers my book in a minute. So, I'd, and the good thing is when we do these, the Wars of Andrews, do you agree with me? We don't tell each other in advance, do we? What, no. what the books are, we're going to slag off now. Oh, God, I don't like the word slag off. Should we say constructive criticism? Is that fair enough? Yeah, 
Tear to pieces. Okay, it's got a bridge, right? So, <laughs> would you want me to go first, sister? Yeah. Right, this book was actually reviewed right at the beginning of the year. I think it was in the January episode, this one as well. Connie Parman, Your Story, My Story. And this was on Amazon Reads on this as well, so first read. So, do you want the blurb? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Okay, this is... Of all the famous love affairs between literary giants, non-saddens and intrigues people more than the dramatic marriage between the brilliant young American poet Sylvia Plath and the handsome and arrogant British poet Ted Hughes. Their instant chemistry was legendary, and for a time it seemed like their remarkable connection on the antidote Plath needed to suffering had always plagued her, and that she wrote back so powerfully in her iconic autobiographical novel The Bell Jar. When Connie Palmer, a literary giant herself, read Ted Hughes' collection of birthday letters, which was his final collection, he died. She, like many before him, became fascinated with the relationship and also the idea that despite the rumours and accusations around Hughes for the rest of his life, he had never told this side of the story. So after amusing herself in everything written by and about the two artists, she channeled Hughes' story to write the extraordinary book you're going to read. Your story, my story, is an unforgettable love story. And portrayed two great minds that, when fused, meet the wildest height of all creativity and destruction. Okay, so what made you hate this book so much that you would put it worst book of the year? Well, first of all, it was it was incredibly poorly researched. Because you've got on the back of the book, we say that she came to you got immersed in both writers. Well, first of all, she didn't even read, read anything of Sylvia Plath's work. And for research purposes, only read Ted Hughes' birthday letters. She didn't contact the estate. And I thought myself, then that's when the problem's not. You're just not doing the research, are you? No. You're fictionalising. It was a romance story. It just felt woefully all over the place to me, don't you? Like it was, and also as well, the thing that stuck in my head was the book's only just over 200 pages long. He got in it, the book's told him Ted Hughes' point of view. He calls her Sylvia at the beginning and at the end. And in the rest of the just over 200-page book, he calls her My Bride. 116 times. Oh, dear. Now, it was like, at the time, I was, and I know people that are Sylvia Plath researchers and buffs, massive buffs, and they all hated it like I did. It was structured badly. It was, and it was, in, it was translated from the Dutch. And I don't think the translation was the problem. I think it was a rubbish book. It was incredibly hard to read, and I really can't recommend this book at all because it was like I felt in the end there was inaccuracies in it. She hadn't got to grips with either of the characters, and the pacing was absolutely all over the place. Is that you want to, you want to tear into it more? Oh, yeah, you've got probably more to say, have you? Not, not really, not really. <laughs> the rest of it goes on about it. Was just it felt like I said to you, it. That took me, you know, what I said before about the Christmas card fruit killer book that took about four yeah. months, but it just took about two months because the structure of it and the pacing it was just literally all over the place. It was, I've really, really struggled with this book, which should have been if they'd done the proper job, it would have been a really good book, I think. But they didn't, it felt like half arse and half hatchet job. And the scary is if you go into Goodreads on other review websites, the amount of good reviews it gets as well. Yeah. But it's mostly for people I don't think know what I'm horrible saying this. I don't know the topic, don't know the topic. No. Right, over to you, Amanda. 
Okay, so my worst book of the year is Zombie Evolution by Edmund Gianta. Oh, I quite like this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting a mark in sports. I quite like this one actually. But you, you better tell people, Amanda, obviously, why you hate it. It just felt really unrealistic within the setting of the book. I mean, obviously, it's about zombies, so you don't expect it to be based on real life. But I think you have to set things up in a way where you think this leads to that and that leads to this, and now I can believe that this is happening. And it just wasn't set up that way. It was just like, oh, this is happening now. It's really outrageous, but it's happening anyway. And I don't care if you believe it or not. Yeah, it was a really strange mixture of like The Walking Dead and The X-Men, really, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. And it's like by the end of the book, it's just gone ridiculous. And I know there's quite a few in the series, and it just makes you wonder, like, where are these going to go? What's going to be happening by the end of the series? There was a. I'm not curious that I'm actually going to read them. No, I say the main one, one was enough. I think it's there's another six or seven books in the series, Pen came out after that. And he seemed to bring them out fairly quickly as well. So it does make you wonder out is the writer. Writing them in about a month or, or with these massive archive penalty are held back for a while. Does wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, so is there anything else you need to say about this book, Amanda? It was the characters were really cringeworthy, in particular the couple that had the kids, and then the way the father was thinking about his daughter and stuff. It wasn't quite like. I don't think there was anything like romantic, like or like he, he was speaking about her, like as, as a paedophile or anything like that. But it was just really creepy how much he kept thinking about how beautiful she was and how much she loved her. And it's like, I think there's a line between being a good father and just being really like cringy, and it was just cringy. I found that I was a bit off put when his wife came back to life in the book because uh, then, like, it the texture was coming out was a bit unrealistic, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you, are people wondering on the first book of it, there was a preview at the end of the book for the second book. Did you read any of that, man? As soon as I got to the end of the actual book, I really didn't want to read anymore and I, I stopped reading. I read the preview and two of the, uh, what do you, do you, should we call them zombies for the sake of things? Yeah. She started trying to character, the writer started trying to characterise two of the zombies in the second book. That were the first two that the, the female lead brought back to life, and they were really bad. And that's why I, I, it put me off immediately. Wanted to read it again, I must admit. Yeah. Okay. Is that all you got to say about that yeah, book, Amanda? That's all I've got to say. About yeah. That. And it's interesting enough on the actual podcast, Monday gave that nine out of ten at the time as well. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I think you gave about three, if my memory's correct, mm. didn't you? Yeah. You want <laughs> <laughs> Not nine, anyway. So, right, guys. Okay, seriously. Now, that's the best and the worst. Now, we're going to do some other topics next, Amanda, aren't we, as well? Yeah. And I thought I set the topics in these, and I thought it'd be fun to, and part five, to have unexpected book of the year. And that, what do I mean by unexpected book of the year, Amanda? It can be either good or bad. Like, oh, I thought this was going to be good, but it's actually a rubbish or vice versa. Yeah, or so it's just a general surprise, basically. So. Yeah. Right, okay. We'll take another quick break. See you in a minute. Say bye again, Amanda. Bye again. Read in the bed. Read in bed. Hi, guys. Yes, okay. On to part number five now. Unexpected book of the year. I'll go first, Amanda, if you want me to, okay? Yeah. 
Now, mine's got a bit of a story behind it, so I've got, I've got the blurb, and I might focus on it. The paragraph the blurb's quite short, actually, so. But it's um, my unexpected book of the year was by Michelle Cox and A Girl Like You. Now, as people know, obviously, you can... we There is a page up on a website called matchmaker.fm, isn't there, Amanda? Yeah, it's yeah, an interesting w- website. Yeah, so people have podcast guests and... I've got one up there for spoken label and for reading in bed. Now, occasionally this happens where I get books come in and I can be frank here. And there is a running joke between me and you, Amanda, sometimes when I get these requests coming, isn't there? Yeah. Because it's someone who can be absolutely awful. People that haven't researched a podcast or in some cases wrote terrible books, unfortunately. Now, the, I got this approach by Michelle Cox. I can remember his credits, a Canadian writer, and to review her, rebase it to come on Spoken Label. And I went and had a look on Amazon, so I thought oh, I'd see the previews. And the first two books up were free downloads, and I thought, I'll give my go from a Kindle. And I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed this series. And it's not my sort of book either, that makes it more fun. So would you want to read the blurb out, Monday? It's only very short, very short. Yeah, go on then. Henrietta von Harman works at a tw- as a 26 girl at a corner bar in Chicago's northwest side. It's 1935, but things still aren't looking up since the big crash and her father's subsequent suicide, leaving Henrietta to care for her mother and younger siblings. Henrietta is eventually persuaded to take a job as a taxi dancer at a local dance hall, and just when she begins to enjoy herself, the floor matron turns up dead. When aloof Inspector Clive Howard appears on the scene, Henrietta agrees to go undercover for him and is plunged into Chicago's gritty and underworld. Meanwhile, she's still playing mother hen to her younger siblings, as well as the pesky neighbourhood boy Stanley, who believes he's having love of her and keeps popping up on lighted places, determined to keep Henrietta safe, even from the inspector if need be. Despite his efforts, however, and his pendants and messing with the inspector's investigation, the lovely Henrietta and the impenetrable inspector found themselves drawn to each other in the most unsuitable ways. Okay. Right, what do you want to tell, what do you want to say next? To why, talk about next why, one. Why was this your unexpected book then? Uh, most because I, I I've read books like this and they're really terrible and they don't get this. What word this book was the atmosphere in the first book. I don't know a lot about Chicago. But I had a talk to somebody after they read the book and they said to me, yeah, it's the research purposes, the research in it, it felt like you're in a different world. You know what I mean? With the app, you get the you feel like when you're walking on the walking on the street with the main two characters, you feel like you're in their world. And that's just good writing. No to play it's good writing. Do you get what do you get what I mean by that man? It's world building, isn't it? So yeah. And she set it up really, really well. The, the book's not faultless, it's far from not faultless. There is there is issues with the book, little things I didn't like with it, but it's an easy book to read. I read that first book. Oh, blimey. There's five books today in the series, and I had to, I had to read me to re- research speech of the lady in what, six weeks later. I anticipated I'd read probably maybe one or two of them. Do you know how many the series I read? All of them. I read five in fact, right in a month. Yeah. Now, what does that say to you, Amanda, straight away then? 
You definitely enjoyed it, then. Yeah. Exactly. I would have. I would have. I'm not been horrible for Michelle because she's a lovely lady, and her husband's also a little Budian, so he's he near enough cousins to us, basically. But like, it was like it's one of those ones where I think most podcasters would have perhaps read the first book or two, and you know, winged it on the rest. But I really enjoyed it, and I surprised her at the time on that by going through every book with her. <laughs> so that's why. But it was, it's a fantastic series. Really, and they're not that expensive to get in Kindle either. The first two are still free, and the rest of them are about £2.99 each, so it's good value. So, right, Amanda, over to you. What is your most unexpected book of the year? It's called The Greatest Hoax on Earth by Alan C. Logan. I don't actually remember that one. What's that book about then? This is the book that explores um, the truth behind um, Frank Abagdale who is the inspiration for the film Catch Me If You Can. Got it, got it, and I remember it, yeah, sorry, yeah. Well, that, was a, that was a while ago, that book you reviewed, that one, wasn't it, yeah? Yeah, I started reading this because I used to do paid book reviews for a website, which I don't do anymore, and I wasn't expecting much from this at all. I thought it's just like, you know, the least worst book in the bad list of books, and I was actually quite surprised in a good way by it. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Okay, so what was um, what surprised you about the book then? Was it the, the pacing or the characterization? The guy that's written it has done a lot of in-depth research into the claims that Frank Abigdale made about all the different cons he did and stuff. And it's like it's true that he did con people, but the biggest con he did was actually getting them to believe that he done the cons he was talking about if that makes sense yeah it was just basically um, a beep was that true yeah and like lots of people have come out and said like no that couldn't possibly happen and I work in this industry and there's no way anyone would be allowed to do this and just to just like proved you know that he hasn't done it but yet there's so many people now that have heard the story that still believe it despite all this proof and yeah yeah the film Wow, no, it does no, it sound really, really, yeah, getting played of it. So it's like, when you started the book off, did you expect that, did you, what you got? I hadn't watched the film, so I didn't know much about it. But then I read this book, and I think I watched the film with you not long after. And I know I kept annoying you because I kept saying, oh, well, that didn't happen. And this this is what actually happened. And you were just like, watch the film, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember saying, shoot it, shoot it. Or, or, or words to that effect, didn't sure, I? So, woman. <laughs> or words to that effect, right? So, yeah, no, no, excellent, excellent. So, so like I said, no, good stuff indeed. So, I said, is there anything you want to talk about this book before we conclude this part? No, I definitely recommend everyone reads it because it's just a really interesting thing to think about. Like, once a story gets out there, it's just like it's setting people's minds, no matter how much you try to disprove it and show evidence that it's not true. There's just some people that just don't believe it, regardless. Yeah, yeah, and of course, get it completely so Excellent. Okay, now, would you believe it? Now that's the end of part five. What are we doing next, Amanda? Well, we've missed a book, haven't we? We've both done our unexpected book we've of the year, what yes. What book would you like to see as a sequel yeah, next year? That's, that's part six coming up next, yes. Okay, okay. Okay, we'll see you all in a minute. Say bye. Again, bye. again, 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 again. again. See you in a minute. Read in a minute. Read in a minute. Welcome back to Reading in Bed with me, Amanda Nicholson. 
and Andy M. Episode 47, The Christmas Special. Now, just and I just show... have to say as well, if you can hear a weird noise in the background, it's the washing machine next door. <laughs> I'm actually wondering what that was myself. I could hear that fair, actually. <laughs> now, obviously, not to give the myth away, Amanda, what we do about reading in bed, it's obviously people are wondering. We do we record it in different rooms, basically, on Zoom, don't we? So, yeah. You're in our study and I'm in the living room, and I can hear the washing machine from here, actually, as well. But hopefully, hopefully, it won't put you all off from enjoying this episode. Right, Amanda, what are we doing this half, then, since you've said it already? We're doing which book you would like to see a sequel to next year. And I'm going to let you go first this time. Okay, so I've cheated a little bit because this book actually does have a sequel that's coming out next year because it's the first in the series. It's called Near Mortal, and it's by Julia Alte. Okay, and what's this book about, Amanda, then? So this is about... Near mortals, which are a bit like immortals, but they don't live forever, but they have a much longer lifespan than typical human beings. And it's about a woman called Mandy, who's an immortal, and she gets assigned a task to trick an immortal called Peter, and then she realises she's on the wrong side. And I'm not going to say any more and spoil it in case anyone wants to read it. Well, to me, when's the sequel out? I haven't been able to find out yet, but I'm guessing it'll be sometime next year. Is it one of these sort of books that leaves you a massive, massive cliffhanger? It did, yeah. There's a massive cliffhanger. I, had to, I have to read it just to find out what happens now. Yeah, I mean, like, is that sort of book where if you don't bring the sequel out, you'll be throwing things against the window in temper, won't you? And banging yeah. your head against the laptop. Yeah, bring it out quickly for Amanda's sake. So, Okay, Amanda, would you like to know my book? Yeah. This is going to be no surprise. Mine's books, the latest book in the Orphan X series, by Greg Hutz, Prodigal Son. Now, why do you, why did you think I would say that, Amanda? Because you've read practically every book of his. I've I've not read it. I've, I've read about <laughs> a third of his. He wrote loads for the Nowhere Man, and I read it one. They're all right, not as good. This the Nowhere Man's his best series. Uh, do you want to give people a blurb on this because it's a good blurb? Yeah. It's three paragraphs, but it's only reasonably short. Forced into retirement, Evan Smock gets an urgent request for help for somebody he didn't even suspect it existed. And that's his mother, right? <laughs> Who she yeah. brought was dead. Have a boy, Evan Smock was pulled out of the foster home and trained in an off-the-books operation on his orphan program. He was an orphan as a government assassin, perhaps the best, with known to a few insiders as Orphan X. He eventually broke with the program and adopted a new name, the Nowhere Man and a new mission, helping those desperate in their times of trouble. But the highest power in the country made an attempt in offer. In exchange for an unofficial pardon, he must stop his clandestine activities as a nowhere man. Now Evan has to do the one thing he's least equipped to do, live a normal life. But then he gets a call for help for, help for the one person he never expected, a woman claiming to have given, up for, given him up for adoption, a woman he never knew, his mother. Her unlikely request to help Andrew Durham Whose man whose life has gone off the rails, who was in the wrong place at the wrong time, bringing him into deadly attention of very powerful figures. Now a brutal brother and sister assassination team are after him, and with no one else to turn to, no place to help, Evan is Durin's only option. But when they hit Evan the Cabal to catch on to what Evan is doing, everything he fought for is on the line, including his own life. Mm. So, what made you choose this? 
the bloody ending because it gets blown up. <laughs> the book's been out for nearly a year. It's been out for what came out, what begin the years. There's no point in saying that. It's been out for 11 months. At the end of it, he discovers that his, his mother dies, basically, from cancer, I think it was. This is spoilers. And they, Andrew Durham was his half-brother. So that's why. And um, he saves him and goes back to his flat and, and somebody, probably the government, has a set of bombs in his flat and blows the flat up as soon as he walks in. And they finished the book. Oh, dear. <laughs> you tell me now why, why I want to see a sequel to that. Yeah. So after announcing there's going to be a sequel yet, yeah, are you just left hanging, hoping that... No, it's out in February <laughs> next year. Yeah, <laughs> I've been hanging on for a year, thinking, don't dare, don't you dare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that fair enough? You can understand why, can't you, man, with that line? You get, you get something like that, and at the end, you just go up, you're banging your head against the table completely, aren't you? Yeah. You can't do that. And then, when they say, if you finish the series, I think we'll end up with more trouble than worth that, do you know Right, that's the end of part six, Amanda. Unless you've got anything else you want to ask me? No. Right, we're on to the last bit now, Amanda, after this break, aren't we? Yeah. And what's that? We're going to read out some Christmas-themed work that we've written. Yeah, yeah, we're going to... As a little bit of an out, outro, really, we're going to read out... I don't know what Amanda's going to read, but I'm going to read something out, certainly Christmas-related, and we well, have to wait and see, won't you? So, say bye, Amanda. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. See you in a minute. Read in a bed. Read in a bed. Hey, guys, yes. The finale, yeah. It's part seven, Reading in Bed. Andy M. And Amanda Nicholson. Episode 47. Now, does it feel a bit weird, Amanda, what we've done here this time? Because we've, we've done a lot of quicker parts, haven't we, so... I've quite enjoyed it. Yeah, so it's been nice, actually. So, well, I said, okay, now the pieces we're going to do today, where are they from, Amanda? They're from my brain. Well, one is from my brain. The other is from your brain. <laughs> oh, what's, what man's from a bum, actually? You must know, right? So, <laughs> right, no, seriously, they're both from our new book, The Snow Was All We Could See. It's not a heavy plug. We're not, we're not like that. We just thought it'd be nice to finish the podcast off the year with these. So this is a poem of mine called Snow Fight. Leaving prints underneath the tunnel. You said afterwards you thought I'd given up after chasing you all the way down the road like a whirling syllable every time I caught up to you in the fistful of snow. Echoing back years into our past when I used to drag you up to Tantal Hill, sledge in hand, and we both thought we would take off into there like Father Christmas. Of course, never happened. More often than not, we would end up in a pile of snow with our scarves knotted over our mouths, leaving footprints before vanishing from view. Moving hands against the season, fingers colliding together without words. Okay, and what's your piece, Amanda? Mine is called Krampus and the Manchester Christmas Market. Weakened by the goodwill of Christmas, boxes of chocolates and mint candy canes, Krampus staggered into the middle of Manchester Christmas markets. A child reached out, mistaking him for Santa, wiping chocolate all over his cloak. Krampus looked helplessly at his hands, where they used to be claws. Another child started screaming. Everyone heard. 
though his mother seemed oblivious to the deafening noise. Krampus wanted to give him something to shriek about. He could only look on as chaos ensued around him, children running off without parents, noisily grabbing for everything and demanding as always. I want, I want, I want. Mine, mine, mine. The Christmas spirit all but forgotten and he longed to break their spirits. All he was able to do was take candy from a baby and steal all her right socks, leaving a wake of odd socks everywhere. Krampus replaced Apple iPhones with real apples and laptops with typewriters, confusing children everywhere. He took their e-readers and replaced them with books. iTunes vouchers were transformed into records. Then he burnt all the turkeys. Christmas is ruined, everyone cried, except for those in Iceland who didn't care about the food or technology and preferred to curl up in bed with a book. Excellent. That's very you, Amanda, that piece. Very satirical. Oh, fantastic. So, always, I've got to say, guys, I'll say that's now the end of year. It's our fourth year now, Amanda, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was weird, actually, because I think it's. When we first, I always remember we did our first podcast, Amanda. Do you remember that? A long time ago, in a yeah. Far, far away. Yeah, like it was a. Obviously, like it when the podcast first began, Amanda was doing book reviews by herself, weren't you? And you did it yourself. Was it reading recommendations of Amanda, didn't you? Yeah, it was just me talking to myself like a crazy person. Yeah, and then like I, I still you, do that now, just not on the podcast. Well, you asked me at the time to come on board for the relaunch, didn't you? So. And didn't you call, was it you that came up with the title of this podcast, Reading Your Bed? I don't think it was yeah, me. Yeah, well, you asked me like five minutes before we started the podcast and I thought people reading bed, so we'll call it Reading in Bed. Yeah, we don't... And it's a bit of confusion, hasn't it? Because sometimes we get people like sending us stories and going, this is a nice story to read in bed. I know, <laughs> we do, we do, we do. And it's ironic, I never actually read in bed. You, I think you do sometimes, don't you? Only if I'm ill. It's more yeah. comfortable to read in my nice gaming chair now. Yeah, she's sat on at the moment. So usually me, I've used to reading on my Kindle going to and from work. So I've got about an hour's journey each way. Don't tend to read much at home. So it's like, but he said it's a different way. So it sounds good. So anyway, guys and girls, right, the next month, unfortunately, Amanda doesn't know what you're doing yet, do you? No, it's a surprise. Well, I've got one book read, which I'm not going to reveal. The one I'm reading at the moment is by the AEW wrestler, John Moxley, called Mox, which is his autobiography. And it's colourful. <laughs> That's only one way of putting it. So I'll be reviewing that next month. So in the meantime, then, it's ho, ho, ho for me. And ho, ho, ho for me. See you all next time, guys. Stay safe. And stay mince pies over, which we're going to do now. Into Merry the kick. Merry Christmas. Mince pies, here we come. Ho ho ho. Read in a bed and bed. Read in a bed and 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 bed and